and, and it does take a certain personality to use correction and to use punishment, and I understand that. Um, but get real and know that if you touch fire, you burn yourself. If you hold your breath for too long, you'll pass out. And um, if you run up to Mama Bear and try to touch a cub, she's going to bite and eat you. So punishment is natural. You just got to be natural about it. And, uh, and that's one thing I want to wrap up on is once I show someone how to use a correction on the lead and the dog stops pulling, they get so hooked to the punishment because it worked that they, it's the only thing they start to use, and that's a problem. If you're teaching a dog how to walk on a loose lead, um, mix up the techniques the dog understands and don't just go willy-nilly, just pop, 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 because that's how you desensitize a dog and the dog now doesn't respond to the punishment anymore because it doesn't become punishing. Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host, Panos Anagnostu. And I'm your co-host, Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hey. Welcome, Welcome back, back to <laughs> Life With Your Doc. It's the CoronaCast version. <laughs> well, we're almost on the verge of lockdown, so maybe we should get practicing doing it from home. Yeah, yeah, it's um, not a bad idea. So let's just explain it quickly. Um, I've been feeling a little bit off this week, uh, no fever, nothing like that, but just a bit of a cold. And so, you know, in this current climate of um, being careful, we're going to do a remote um, podcast today. That's it. Well, I hope you're feeling better, brother. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Some crazy times out there. So, Yeah, it has you been know, pretty interesting this week. Time to um, hunker down a little bit and um, spend time with family and, and, and listen to the health authorities and, yeah, pretty serious. You know, like I don't know how it is everywhere else in the world, but it seems like we're all very un- – I think there's uncertainty everywhere. But in Australia, like we're not sure, like are we not going to restaurants? Are we not doing that, like working? Are we – Coming into a lockdown, are we gonna like? Are we gonna hoard all the all the toilet paper and all the food? Like, what's we all don't know what's going on, mm. and I think that's bringing on some anxiety for everyone. So, you know, I hope everyone's feeling okay and dealing with with um with this current situation appropriately, and everyone's yeah. happy, yeah. healthy, and strong. I think we're hopefully, you know, um, you know, sending our um, well wishes to everyone all around the world, but particularly, I think Europe at the moment is doing it really hard. Um, yeah, you know, Italy and Spain and even Germany now, like the numbers are just crazy. And I think a lot of people don't understand how exponential numbers work. Like I've spoken to a few mm-hmm. people here and they don't really understand how that works. No, but, compounds quickly, huh? Well, if one, yeah, if one person, if every person who's infected infects two people, then it spreads insanely quickly. So insanely. you have to listen to the advice, good hand hygiene, don't touch your face. Yeah. Um, and social distancing. Well, that's where I've been struggling because I've been pretty much busy all week going to people's houses and doing. I try to do it as much outside as I can and, and things like that and just be mindful of, you know, like we don't shake hands, but I pass the lead to them, they pass the lead back to me. Like, yeah. you know, they touch the same door handle I do. For like sure. it's all very awkward. Like what, what's, what's the protocol there? I'm actually thinking um, every session I'm going to do for the week is to um, just wear disposable gloves for each session. Yeah, um, you know, and then just take them off and then just maybe Glen 20, all, all the gear yeah. that I use. Yeah. Maybe that could be a precaution. I, ha- yeah. you know, I have been washing my hands and trying to touch my face, but you know, um, 
Yeah, I mean, you can Hard you, times. you can only do what you can do, right? Um, it's well, if, if any other trainers are listening, if they've been, if they can give any advice to me in particular in regards to like what they've been doing over the last week or two. Mm. Um, but you know, even for your job, man, you're still coming in contact with people and, and handing yeah. packages and stuff. So yeah. I'm still, um, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about what's going to happen with the NDTF course as well. You know, like it's a lot of uns- yeah, exactly. there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment. Like it, it, it the course itself starts. Um, in like a month and then you know you've got to be basically every, out there every week having access um, training a dog so you know if we end up getting like locked down how does that work so there's a lot of uncertainty but as long as you've got your health I think that's the main thing at the moment and with the NDTF it's going to be all right anyway I think because you're going to have um, a lot of it's going to be um, learning at home doing, mm. doing all the, the exams and stuff so that's going to be good in terms of the practical I'm sure they're going to have some leniency for or for all of that as well yeah, and obviously the, the practical blocks as well i have to do that at the right time so yeah crazy yeah i don't know um one good all thing right. that's come out of this i read um just yesterday actually um i'll try to put this link in the sh- in the show notes is um there's been an increase in adoptions so i think a lot of people are thinking well i've got to spend a lot of time at home hopefully they're doing it for the right reasons but hopefully <laughs> it's um you know if, if they were at a position where they were already thinking about having a dog, then hopefully that's a good Well, thing. I, I thought about this. I think in Italy, and I think they've stopped this now, but they used to say if you have a dog, you can still leave the house. Ooh. But now they've gone one next step from what, what I heard this morning saying that um, you only live in the house for, for getting food basically and yeah. important work or doctors. Um, besides that, even if you walk. So maybe people are getting dogs saying, well, if we go into lockdown, I get a dog, I could still leave the house sort of thing. Hopefully they're doing as you said, for the right reasons. Um, I think I'm going to be seeing a lot more clients in the next couple of weeks if we are allowed to leave the house because more yeah, people work right. from home now. So I've been, I've been getting, I've been kind of, I haven't been affected too bad in that regard. Um, and obviously we put out that episode a couple of days ago for, um, you know, what to do in these circumstances. People are going to be staying home, whether they're quarantined or they're, or in lockdown or, or isolation, working from home, all that. So check out that episode and it gets very quick. Well, the one thing I wanted to mention before we can get into the um, the topic today, and I don't know if I've mentioned it in the episode, but I'm going to mention it anyway because I think it's important, that if you are getting a puppy or a new dog in these times and you are going to be spending, you know, the next three to four weeks at home, um, I think it's really important or that yeah. – Or longer. I don't know. Well, of course, for sure. But even if it is a few weeks, this can still affect um, the fact that the dog's always going to be with you that whole time. Like you're not leaving the house, you're always together. So – Two things that are super important. Make sure that you're going for walks and doing regular exercise if you can leave the house. Definitely. Don't get too lazy with that. Second of all is make sure that your pup or your new dog or even your existing dogs are spending time on their own while you are um, at home. Whether And I think I did say, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm pretty sure I did say this in the episode, but it's so important that I want to speak about it again, is that keep your dog in the yard for a couple of hours while you're doing your work or in their crate or in the exercise pen, especially puppies. I had a client just the other day said, oh, the last week and a half, I've been working from home. And my puppy freaks out when I go to the bathroom, you know, because he's at his feet 24-7 the whole time he's at home. So, and I'm like, man, you've got to keep up with the exercise pan. And we're going to go see him in the next week or so. But um, he's like, yeah, but he doesn't really like it. I'm like, you must get them used to being on their own because there's going to be times we're going to go back to normal life and leave the house. Yeah. And then you don't want to have to be, have set up a big, big problem. So you'll be in um, major trouble if, that's ha- if that happens. 100%. Big time. Episode topic today, we're going to be talking about when and why to use punishment 
I guess some people would call that controversial. I just think that that's just like normal everyday life in regards to like knowing how you should correct the dog if they're doing a behavior that you don't like. So I think it's important that we start delving into that. We have obviously mentioned a few different things about, you know, correcting the dog for doing behaviors you don't like in, in previous episodes, but today I want to fully focus on that. So, um, you know, and punishment's not all of training. It should only be when you need to use it. But I think it's an important element um, to your training if you know how to do it correctly. Mm. And just um, just for everyone to know that you don't have to use punishment for your dog. You can go for um, a, a completely positive training, a positive reinforcement only. You can. Um, but for the way that I am, that I train and for the way that I know um, how dogs learn, is that if you can have a balanced approach and um, and have a goal in mind of what you're doing, I think it's um it's imperative to create reliable behaviour and um and also to save some confusion and stress for both parties, the dog and for the people. So yeah, that's what we're going to get into today. Um, I guess we'll start off by talking about the two forms of punishment when we look at the four quadrants of the motivation matrix. So you have positive punishment and negative punishment. Positive punishment is when you add something, it's addition, and then something that's undesirable, whether it's a, um, whether it's me saying no or whether it's me giving a correction on the lead by giving the lead and giving a pop on the lead or whether it's, you know, um, providing some sort of consequence. It could even be like a, a poke to the ribs if your dog jumps up onto your friend or something like that. So providing something that's undesirable that weakens behavior for the future. So if you're doing things to your dog and it's not weakening the behavior for the next repetition, you are not punishing a behavior. You are just doing things to your dog that your dog is confused about. So it's important that you have good timing, good intensity, and you've got to have a good intention about it. Um, and the negative punishment, as we talked about with um, mathematics, negative is subtraction, negative, taking away, and punishment being something undesirable. So two examples is that if I have food in my hand, I tell the dog to sit and the dog doesn't sit, then I remove the opportunity for the food in that moment, which is negative punishment. The dog gets pissed off and thinks, oh, my gosh, I want the food. And it depends how motivated the dog is. If the dog's not motivated by food, then that's not negative punishment in that instance. Or other form of negative punishment can be if your dog's messing around inside the house or done something you don't like, you removing them from the house and putting them into the yard or whatever, it can be also seen as negative punishment. Or even you leaving the room. You can be in the room with the dog and the dog keeps on jumping on you. You can then leave the room and close the door and the dog learns, oh, every time I jump, um, Panos leaves the room. That sucks. So, um, Panos so is the, strict. These, these, <laughs> what's that? Panos is tough and strict. Oh, well, look, you've got to be clear with your dog in, in regards to what you want. And, you know, once sure. you – look, there, there are trainers that, that are adamant about not using punishment. People say that punishment is abuse and it's ridiculous. You know, yeah. if you're – you're beating your dog and bashing him and screaming at him and making him scared. And of course you're abusing your dog, but that's not in the same basket as punishment. I don't know how that happened, but, um, but it happened some time ago. And we even see that when people refuse to provide some form of punishment to their children, um, the authorities will always punish us for bad behavior. That's interesting. Yep. You know, we expect someone who acts irrational, like now in these crazy times, if someone comes to my house and wants to take all my toilet paper, um, you know, we, we, we <laughs> want them to be punished, right? Like we, we expect them to be punished. But then when it comes to our dogs or our children, we think now I think why that came is because why that came about is like 50 years ago, people were yanking and cranking dogs and using way too much um, 
you know, um, physical force to get their dogs to do. So we call it compulsion. They're using way too much compulsion to make a dog do things. And even though it's because they didn't know any better, um, you know, dogs were probably still performing behaviors, but they weren't doing them with much intensity or with love and affection. They're doing it because they were scared not to get corrected. And that's not the way that I like to train dogs. I do use lots of positive reinforcement when it comes to teaching basic commands. Would you say um, that dog training has, has evolved a lot, say probably in the last 10, 20 years in terms of moving away from that, you know, that? 100%. On- and as much as like us balance trainers are like, you know, get the, get the shits of positive only trainers or force free trainers, um, I think it's a real good thing that's happened. It really has kept us in check, um, kept everybody in check in regards to, and I think that's like the whole thing of like, you know, the left and the right of government. You need both parties, both, side, both wings to kind of keep the bird together. You know, yeah. you need the balance. One go, asks for, you know, certain rules and regulations. The other fights it and then that kind of keeps like a happy medium. And I think yeah. the same with our training here is that you got like the, the people that use yank and crank and pressure all the time and they never ever use any real positive reinforcement to train behaviors. That's like old school training that didn't really work so well. Um, but without it, we wouldn't be where we are now since oh, clearly we still have dogs, right? So we didn't like make dogs extinct or anything and they're still very happy dogs even 50 years ago. So anyway, there was one style and then you have the other style now that's saying, no, no, we ignore every bad behavior and only reinforce good behaviors. And, um, and most force-free trainers, if they're going to use punishment, they're using the, the negative punishment side of things. Yeah. So they're refusing to give food or they'll take the dog away or say the training session's over or removing them from the environment they're in. So, so when that's why they used to be called positive only, but then they called them, then they changed the name to force free because they figured out that, oh, it's not positive only if you're using negative punishment, right? Yeah. Um, so, but we get what they're trying to say, which is cool, man. God love them. They're doing what they've got to do. And look, to be honest, people if you're are getting bad confused, at giving well, aren't they? In terms of the mathematical thing as well, that's a massive thing. Like even when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, positive, negative, but it's the yes, complete, it's the complete opposite meaning to what you think it is. Exactly. It's a very um, scientific mathematical term. Because you can still have negative reinforcement. It's the same thing. It's not, it's yeah, negative right. reinforcement. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, uh, so, um, so, yeah, so I think it's, uh, that's important for people to understand what positive reinforcement is not like good reinforcement. It means that I've added something, giving a dog a pack, giving them food or the ball. That's yeah. positive reinforcement. So, um, yeah, so keeping us in balance is, is a really important thing. So that's cool, man. That, and that's what I was saying is that, if people are no good at giving correctional punishment or giving advice on it, well, then it's awesome that they're not giving the advice because if you do it at the wrong time or the wrong, wrong intensity or, or using a, the wrong technique for that dog, then you can cause stress and, and, um, and fear in the dog. And that's not, that's not the idea of any of this. Um, yeah. The idea of it is to communicate to the dog that that behavior was undesirable and the consequence follows so then the dog doesn't repeat the behavior again. So two ways that I can think of the top of my head for today is how, how you would use punishment. First of all, one is just giving a straight-up aversive event for a behavior you never want to see again. That could be jumping on the coffee table and eating the cupcake, yep. for example. Like you never want that to happen. So you can straight-up correct that dog um, in many different ways. What I would probably do, um, in that moment would be, well, first of all, you screwed up by having a dog that knows jumps up on coffee tables. <laughs> you probably shouldn't have them off the lead inside your house. So you've got to teach them how to have manners in the house. Again, so again, while we're talking about management's number one, but let's just say you didn't manage it and you didn't know the cupcake was there and the dog was in there and the dog jumped up and 
um, and depending on how old this dog is, let's just say the dog's over a year old because he's not a baby puppy. He jumps up. What, what I would do if I had just my hands to use is just with my finger or two fingers, I give a quick poke to the side of the ribs and I say no. And then hopefully that dog knows what a bed command is and I say bed. So in that moment, that correction was enough for him to feel that it was uncomfortable because no one wants to be touching the ribs. No. And, and, when I, and how I do that technique is it's a quick little poke or a touch. Yeah. Then I use my body to walk into the dog. So I use spatial pressure. So then, that, so then the touch snaps him out of it. He feels the feeling. He's like, what is that? He's focused now on me. And I say, then I give the command. Either I say, move out of that area or I could follow through and say, go on your bed and then I can reward him further from there. Um, but there's no point while he's halfway eating the cupcake to call him to you or to say no if you're not going to follow through. Like the motivation of eating that cupcake is very desirable. So you need to um, outweigh that um, hope and desire to go for that thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 If you have the dog on the lead and have him on a collar, he jumps up and you give a quick flick and say, you don't do that. But then if you're in that position to be managing it that much, then you probably, you know, you're failing by letting him run up to the coffee table and think that he can do it. But anyway, just to give the example of how I'll use correction there, that's like, that's telling the dog, don't ever do that. Or for example, if the dog was to pee inside your house, you know, like find uh, there's a behavior that you never want repeated again, or you never want him to display the behavior again, you can give a straight up aversive event for that. The second way that you should use punishment is when you're use, like when you're training your obedience training. Now you should never punish a dog that doesn't know the behavior. So if I'm just teaching the dog to sit, and if I have food and I'm and I'm using luring for him to sit, um, in the teaching phase right at the beginning, it's all about rewarding every single repetition of that dog showing the behavior. Yeah, because it's unfair into- to the dog, right? It's unfair if you haven't shown him the behavior in the first place, then you're not really. I mean, you couldn't even really call it punishment because the punishment by definition means that you should know what the, the correct behavior is. Exactly. It, it, it actually, what are you punishing if the dog exactly, doesn't know yeah. the behavior you There's want him to, to do? to punish because you've never taught him in the first place. Exactly. And that's how it's different than if you jump up on the coffee table. Yeah, I've never taught you not to jump on the coffee table yeah, sure. because it's not a command that you teach. But now you know not to jump on the coffee table, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and don't leave that dog unattended when there's cupcakes on the coffee table because then he's going to get reinforcement. Good management, right? Then... You're always saying that. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, but sometimes you'll set the dog up. It's like, look, he hasn't done it for a while. I'll give you a good example real quick. I'll go back to that point. Is that So when I had spades, uh, um, spades was at my house when I had my friends over and we had some, you know what Bulgatze is? No. It's like a Greek Greek pastry and it's got custard inside. It's got like cinnamon on the top and a Sounds bit of good. Sugar. It's awesome. It's so good. So <laughs> that was healthy. on the table. <laughs> yeah, totally. Calorie. That's a, a, a Friday night cheat day. Yeah. And it was up on the table there and we were outside hanging out and we come back and there was like icing sugar on the ground and obviously spades had stolen the, the thing. So bad management, naughty panos, right? Um, so I'm like, damn, that was annoying. I didn't do anything to him. I was probably frustrated with him, but I didn't punish him because it was outside of 1.6 seconds. Correct. You can't yeah. punish a behavior yeah. outside of that. And that's very important to mention. So like I said that, you can only reinforce or punish a behavior within 1.6 seconds. Yeah, I think that, so, old school, um, that old school thinking sometimes like you, I don't know, you know, you probably heard, I probably heard this before. It's like, you know, people, I don't know, like the dog does, the dog pisses on the rug or something and you, you find it an hour later and then some people, you know, that, there's that saying like, 
to rub their nose in it. And that's, yeah. that's where that comes from. People probably used to. Yeah, they say rub their nose in it. Rub, yeah, it doesn't work, man. They, you're an hour late. 100%. Yeah, don't rub your dog's nose in their shit or their piss or with anything. Um, their nose is very sensitive and very delicate and then you're just creating a big, very confused yeah. situation there. So even if it was 20 seconds later, you can't. No, never um, do that. Even telling them off and say, like, oh, they look guilty. And, and it's not the case. They're going off your body language and what you're doing and what's happened in the past when you've acted irrational and it's also very instinctive to know when someone's angry compared to actually teaching the dog that that behavior was wrong. So in that moment with the, with the um, pastry, I didn't do anything. So then I, it was like two weeks later, it was the same situation. The boys came over again. We had some food up on the table. So I put it there and I had spades in there on his own, but I was on the other side of the glass window watching. And I saw him. He walked over. He had a little sniff and he was at, <laughs> right near the, the table. And I opened the door. I'm like, uh-uh, straight. Now, he knows uh uh-uh, has resulted in a punishment yeah. in the past. And he was like, oh, and then he walked away from it. Didn't touch another thing End on the table. Story. That was it. So I caught him in the act and I prepared for it. So in that moment, that was the punishment. I gave a verbal punishment. Uh-uh, means something to him. He stopped. Now, if he was to, con- if it was another dog that would be like, screw you and continue to go for it, well, then you need to follow through. And if I'm 10 meters away from him, probably not a good situation. He'll grab that and run away before I can even get to it. In that case, so, so you've used positive punishment with the uh, uh, verbal command, that's right? That's right. That's it. And because through classical conditioning, I've always used uh before I've given correction before. Hmm. Um, and, and that was it. So, um, so I had this conversation with my parents when I lived with them. In regards, they kept on correcting my dogs and trying to punish them when they'd pee in the garage, for example. Um, and the garage was just before the door to go outside. And I was having this discussion with them, saying, "Hey, stop getting angry at my dogs and making them more scared and freaked out um, every morning that you see peeing." And they're like, "Oh, they know, they know." I'm like, "But they don't know." And I was trying to, anyway, trying to train your family is a very, very difficult thing. If you're a dog trainer, you know how it is. Um, so I got up, pointed to the tiles, and I'm like, what is this? And I used my angry voice and my and I was bent over pointing to the tiles and you saw spades and ace were like, whoa, and they were kind of walking around. They looked nervous, right, in that moment when I was acting like a monkey. And, they, and my mum said, see, they know they've done something wrong. I'm like, but there's nothing on the tiles. It was just a clean uh, right. normal tile. Yeah. You see what I mean? And it's like, so yeah. they knew they did something wrong. What did they do wrong and how do they fix it for the future? Yeah. Well, they don't. Good example. Right? So... And then so what I did with Acer, because Ace would only pee inside the garage when it was raining outside. So I thought, and when I'd wake up after it rained, I'd just expect there to be pee right next to the door because he didn't want to get wet. And he did this like three in the morning. So I'd be angry because I'm just plainly frustrated. I have to clean up pee before I go to the kennels and plant, clean pee and poo for the next eight hours. But anyway, I'd clean up, move it on. It, it is what it is. There's no point doing anything to Ace. But there was one day I still happened to be awake at like 2 a.m. And he jumped off my bed and he went downstairs and it was raining outside. I'm like, I know he's going to go do a pee. I don't know it. So I followed him downstairs. Well, I didn't follow him. He didn't know. I snuck up and I looked into the garage and he's peeing on my bike. And I was like, oi. And straight away I gave my voice and I just pointed towards the door. I probably said outside. Before I, I got up to him, he had gone, oh, shit. And then he ran outside and I closed the door. And I'm like. So, first of all, I sit outside because that's where you should be peeing outside. Don't be peeing on my bike. Yeah. But second of all, he's gone outside and I left him out there for like half an hour in the pouring rain and he got drenched. I came back. I brought him in. I dried him. That was the last time he peed inside the garage. And I even saw him another time where it was raining. It was an evening. He went outside. 
I went to the garage. I went and checked. He went inside. I mean, went outside, sorry, in the rain, a quick 10-second pee, came back in, and I rewarded him. Because he, he was, that it's not worth. That's less unpleasant than the last time. Exactly. And you can see there that if my punishment clearly worked, he didn't pee inside the house again, and, um, and it was happy days. We, we, we had some learning there. And I still further rewarded him for doing the behavior that I liked. So that's very important. And I hope that. Yeah, we're going to put this podcast is going to get released. You're going to have Peter bashing your door in for letting your dog get wet in the rain now. Can you believe it? Mm. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, look, it's um, so yeah, back to when we're talking about when I'm teaching a command. So when we talked about the three phases teaching, training, and proofing, um, you, once the dog understands the behavior, then you can provide a consequence for non compliance. However, I typically use more negative reinforcement. So if I've told the dog to sit and the dog knows it but just can't be bothered because he's distracted by something or he's just seeing if he can get away with not doing it and I may apply pressure on the collar, I hold the pressure, he sits, I release the pressure. So it's still using pressure and there's some physical contact but it's not punishment. Punishment would be if I said sit and the dog didn't sit and I gave a quick pop to make you do it. Now, that could be confusing. So let's talk real quickly about it. Yeah. I prefer to use negative reinforcement because we're using pressure on the collar and we hold undesirable pressure, like nothing crazy hard. The dog's not choking or in pain. He just feels that there's pressure underneath his collar and he feels that's annoying. And he can relieve that pressure by as soon as his bum touches the ground, I take the pressure away. That's the thing with the martingale so collar anyway. It's actually the, the, the collar, if it's set properly, it's actually under the jaw, not on the, not on the windpipe. So all you're doing is really that's right. just... You're tilting his head up. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Nothing to do with his breath. No, exactly. So when we we call a martingale collar a half check, an obedience collar, do not call it a choke collar. Yeah. Not choking nobody. Um, And, yeah, so I prefer to use that. And I've been using more pressure and negative reinforcement for years rather than using the punishment. But there will be a time where you will use a correction. For example, if you're out on the street and, you, and like you're going to cross the road and the dog sees another dog cross the road, you say to your dog, sit, and he's done it before. Like he could have just done it. You say, sit, he sits, good. Sometimes I reward, sometimes I don't reward. But then there's a time where maybe that dog's a little bit closer, maybe. Or maybe it's just the next day he sent, saw it, but the dog barked and he got a bit excited and I say, sit, and he's like, screw you, I'm not listening to you. And I may go, ah, and I give a quick pop, and the dog's like, ah, and then he sits. Or another way of using it is he's sat, but he has to stay sitting until I release him. And then, so I've told him to sit. He sits. The dog presents itself across the road. He goes, oh, he gets up. I go, ah, and I give the correction. And he's like, oh, and then he falls back and he goes back into the sit. That's an appropriate, more appropriate way to use punishment when non-compliance of an obedience command. Back to that example, as I said before, if I told my dog to sit and he didn't sit, again, that's where I'd probably use a bit of pressure and the negative reinforcement, where if the dog broke position from the sit, that's where I'd use the punishment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. So, um, so yes, it's important that if you're going to use a correction, um, you're making the dog correct of a behavior. The dog knows the behavior. He's choosing not to do it, and we do it. Now, some people say, no, ignore it, make more space, and I agree with all of that, but you can't always do that. That then shows that the dog learns, oh, well, sometimes I don't have to do it and there's no extra motivation. So the two ways to motivate a dog is through reinforcement and through punishment. So if the dog no longer sees the food as reinforcing but chasing the dog is reinforcing, how are we going to make the dog 
do the behavior that we want him to do. Again, within reason, if the dog was like 20 centimeters from him, maybe it's too hard for him. So you need to learn where your dog's at and be really understanding of your dog's ability to do each command and their behavior in certain situations and environments. Yeah. So if you were to give the correction after the dog understands the behavior, yeah, so if you ignore it, if I just ignore the behavior, that's obviously an op- opportunity and an option for you to do. You can. But then how long is it going to take for you to hold, for him to hold the sit until you're releasing? And that can be a very long time. And we probably don't have five years for the dog that we can get him to do it in five days. Um, like Spades will hold it down, stay in front of a client's house in the shade. If it's hot and he can't sit in the car, he'll hold it for an hour and a half. Yeah, I've seen him do it. Just hangs out. You've yeah. seen it, right? Yeah. And he's not, he's not, you know, how, what does it look like when he's in the downstate? What, he, what, looks describe like he's, he's, he looked like he couldn't be more relaxed. Exactly, right? Now, people say, oh, wow, he holds it for so long. He's such a good boy. Now, of course, of course, I rewarded behaviors for duration. I wanted to get to that duration. I had to motivate him with reinforcement and with food, or I would release him. So if he's been there for like back in the days, it was 20 minutes, I'd say, okay, now you can get up and have fun. Or I'd say yes and feed him. So those are the two ways that I could encourage the behavior. But I also wanted to discourage him breaking position before I said okay. So if I so in the early days, because now I don't really have to monitor it, even though I keep him in a safe situation, yeah. like it's always appropriate. But he doesn't have to be on the lead. He's not tied up to anything these days. He can be in front of someone's front yard and just holds it down. He doesn't break position because if he breaks position, I would have come and then put pressure on him or I would have corrected him a bit. Or these days, um, again, I haven't corrected spades in a very long time, but let's just say he was in a down 20 metres from me and then a dog was walking five metres from him and he got up, I go, ah, and he goes, whoops, and you go back down. He knows. So I can't have that remote with my voice yeah. because we've done all these things in the past. And you've again, done the work to set that up from a young age with spades as well. It doesn't just happen. That's right. Exactly. So, um, and so punishment is making your dog, ma- making, making what you want to your dog clear enough for him to understand. And for example, if you do it correctly, you're creating respect and you're creating a dog that has some good sort of focus and discipline rather than, um, him doing, oh my gosh, panels is going to like do that to me again. And he's cringing and cowering. That's no good. You're, you're too emotionally invested. Like my client yesterday was like, no, like, ah. I'm like, too intense. It's like, relax. Like, you don't have to try to put the fear of God into your dog to do it. You just set yourself up and you do the behavior. I mean, you follow through with what you want. So, for example, I think the dog was, every time she opened the door, the dog would get up. And she and she was overreacting. You don't have to do this very angrily. You can do calm and assertive. You say, ah, and a quick little pop. The dog's like, ah. Every time I break position, before he says, okay, he, he corrects me. But when I stay there for a certain duration, and this stage was like a seven seconds, so I'd reward every three seconds for it, whatever, he then learned, cool, awesome, I would just stay here until it's not worth it. And anyway, it's better because your dog can then regulate more and regulate their own excitement, have some sort of impulse control. Let's talk about that for a little bit. So you think that people can often get a little bit too, can let their sort of, with this whole punishment thing, they can assume that they're they have to necessarily get their emotions involved. Like it's a simple fact. You broke the rules of this situation, so now I'm going to punish you for it. It's nothing to do with I'm angry at you or I'm upset. Yeah. You know why people get upset and frustrated and emotionally invested is because they, um, 
because they try to ignore it and they ignore it and they ignore it and they ignore it and they get frustrated and frustrated and they're gone, bam, and they explode with anger mm. um, rather than, rather than, than being assertive from the beginning. Yeah. Sorry? Rather than dealing with it in the first instant, instance. Exactly. 100%. And that's where you got to know what, what it is. So <laughs> I saw like five clients yesterday. So I'm going to say my client yesterday. I'm not just saying that. It was an, another client that I saw yesterday. Yeah. She, um, I rocked up to the house and she had the, um, the gate open. So the backyard and the front yard and like she, the dog could have run away. So she had it um, tied up and um, like just to the fence of the pool. And um, I was there and we're talking and then the dog was barking. And this is like our third or fourth session. And we've never really practiced much back tie, but she's been back tying the dog. And she goes, oh, well, clearly, because she has good management, she goes, I'm not going to risk that he's going to run onto the road, so I'm going to tie him up while I'm doing some things of going, coming back in and out of the front yard. And um, but we were there, and then she's barking. The dog was barking, and I ignored it. I just let the dog bark. And then she's like, oh, Alfie, got really frustrated. I'm like, and then she's like, oh, see what he, he's still doing. it, And I'm like, well, if you don't like it, you should tell the dog that you don't like it. And she goes, well, how should I do it? I'm like, well, he's on the lead already, so you don't have to do much. You're going to walk up to him. You say, ah, and you give a quick pop on the lead to snap, like to snap him out of it, but to stop his momentum of He's in that state that he's getting that sort of. Uh, like, exactly. He, and he's also like getting reinforcement from it. Every time he barks, he was looking at her. I'm like, well, stop. I mean, she was looking at him. I'm like, stop looking and, at him and when speaking he's barking. Well. Exactly. So. She walked up, she gave the correction, she walked away from him. I go, in the next 10 seconds, you're going to say, yes, you're going to go over and give him a treat or give him a pat. Um, and then when he's calm for like 30 seconds, we're going to take him off the lead and then you can have the free time. Now, he was mainly barking because I was there and he was excited and whatever and he had no impulse control. Now, I said to her, don't wait till you get so frustrated where you go over them and then smack him or something. Like, don't smack him. You should just, you see the behavior you don't like, uh, be clear, neutral, and then provide the consequence rather than letting your frustration create the, you know, the, the, the message to him. And um, so that, that's so the point here and to answer your questions that you've got to know what you're correcting and don't wait till it becomes so annoying. You wait till it, the behavior presents itself and then be clear with that from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, being calm and assertive is important rather than being tense, frustrated and angry because frustration and anger creates fear assertiveness creates respect and that's usually all the time someone tried to open the door there's at the dogs <laughs> maybe spades wants to come and say hi yeah bring him in there spades, he yeah. is spades i spades, missed him up. i haven't seen him in ages jump up spades can you see him a little bit too low there he is hey buddy <laughs> nookie <laughs> uh, here they are alright Nookie wants to join me special guest appearance oh and yeah look at that Spades is oh he's gone to sleep now alright so um, oh there was another point I was going to mention but what do you um, anything you're going to ask I feel like that you're that, ask last, that last um, example you gave is such a common one like um, let's say like okay so you arrive to their house and the dog's barking but that's, that's such a common thing. Like let's say someone comes to someone's house, the dog starts barking every time the door gets knocked on or, or, or a guest arrives. And what's yeah. the reaction of the owner? No, 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 no. Stop. Stop that. Stop that. Right? Yes. You're conditioning. The dog wants a reaction out of you. Mm-hmm. It's true. So it's your attempt at punishment actually become yeah. reinforcement. 
Yeah, because you're talking English to the dog and the dog doesn't understand English. True? Yeah, yeah exactly. So you're actually convincing yeah. the dog to do that every single time. Yeah, and also what happens is like, um, like for walking, the dog pulls, 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 pulls. We kind of hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. And we're like, ah, stop it, bah. And it's like, man, just be clear from the beginning and then you don't have to have this sort of issue. You know when people say, um, like, do you discipline your child or do you discipline your dog? Like what, they, what they're actually asking is do you use punishment or do you punish your child for a behaviour that you don't like? What, actually, what it actually means, as we know, because we're quite disciplined people, we try to be as disciplined anyway, is that discipline is about having a set of rules and codes and obligations that you want to achieve in life or the things that you do and you discipline yourself like waking up at a certain time to go and work out or making sure you're at work on time or that we do this at the time that we said we were going to do it. Like that's discipline. So discipline goes in when you fulfill the behavior that you like <laughs> or that you're trying to do, Nookie. you get reinforced. Yeah. And, um, and then when there's a behavior that isn't according to the code, then you are provided with punishment. So yeah. like when I discipline my dogs, I discipline them by saying like Nookie can't just jump on my lap like any time. No, you I have invited to say, Nookie, jump up. Yeah, you invited that's her right. to your space. And that's kind of like the discipline. I have discipline and structure mm. and then I, I work according to it. So if you don't have structure in your dog's life, how is your dog going to know what he's supposed to do? Every that's why now no one knows what to has, do. has rules, right? The rule, if she wants to come up for a pat, you invite her, same with spades, you invite him into the space. He doesn't just come up and you're in the middle of a podcast and just start jumping up and scratching on you and, and, and being a madman. Yeah. I've got Leonardo on my lap and hanging out and then a dog just start jumping on me and licking my baby's face and knocking him over, you know, like it's, you need to have the, these rules, these rules in place because it makes sense for what it is that you want from your dogs. Um, you know, and that's what discipline's all about. So, so what does Jocko in, say? Discipline equals freedom, right? The more every rules, single time. The more time, the more you stick to your own rules, the, ironically, the more freedom you actually have because you've created it's a set of, 100%. Of, of guidelines to live by. 100%. I wrote something down ages ago and not to say that, oh, I made this up before Jocko did, but it was like three years ago and I was speaking to my um, my brother-in-law and I was just talking about his dogs. I was talking about my dogs and I'm like, Spades gets to have so much freedom in his life because he knows how to follow rules. The more rules he has and he follows, the more freedom he gets. And that's it. And then when I heard Jocko say that, I'm like, I yeah. love it. Awesome. Yeah. And I respect Jocko and what he does. Um, He's extreme, you know, so you need, you need the ex- ex- extreme um, guidance around you so then at least you can adhere to 75% of it and you're in the game for sure. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's why even with my clients, I, I not to give away the secret or anything, but like I'm going to talk like even a personal trainer. I know my physio, for example, says you've got to do these leg exercises every single day and I'm like it's, it's so unrealistic to do every single day. But he said do it every single day so probably at least I do it three times a week. Yeah. You know, like you can't work your legs out every single day. Like maybe you can, but like you need rest, you know, especially if you've got a pathology in the knee and it was, it was, after, it was post-surgery. Like, you know, you need to uh, – I, I said this um, the other day to a client. like the reason why we're all kind of anxious um, at the moment in currently on – what's the date today? 22nd. 22nd of March 2020 is that, you know, why there's so much anxiety is because like we don't like, – as I said in the beginning, like we don't know what's going on. And this uncertainty is making us act up in kind of weird ways or at least feel weird. Now, I don't see that we're all tripping out. I've been seeing a lot of people and everyone's like, how mean you are, we're all pretty chilled out. Mm. If you watch the news for 20 minutes, you're going to have a heart attack or something. Um, I think that's so, a different um, story though. Like there's a, there's a separation between um, 
you know, the media, they say, right, if it bleeds, it leads. That's the whole, the news, Mm -hmm. the the media is built and makes money off whipping people up into a frenzy, you know? Yeah. And that, and like what that what I heard on the Joe Rogan podcast with Michael, whatever his name was, was oh, the um, uh, epidemiologist. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to scare you out of your wits; I want to scare you into your wits. And I get it. Like we're facts, doing it, we're yeah, taking precautions. The better decisions, you, the better for more sure. you can be. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing. I think we should go into lockdown, just get over and done with it, just sort this shit yeah, out. Yeah, a month or so or something, we just keep it at bay, and then whatever, we just deal with the consequences later, rather than. 60 million people dying or something crazy. I was know? talking to Rachel so about I, this yesterday, Panos. The, it's, it's such a bizarre situation because the best thing, the best, thing we, best outcome we could have medically right now is probably the worst thing we can do for the economy being shutting, yeah. shutting shops, keeping people out of bars and restaurants, you know, closing yeah. schools, all that stuff. But it's like you have to value, as a society, we've said that life must be preserved above everything else and we'll deal with the yeah. financial consequences later, whatever they may be. Yeah. But if everyone's yeah. dead, it's no good. If the hospitals are overrun and people are literally dying in these tent hospitals like in Italy where they, you've seen it, like I said to Rach, they're building these tent hospitals. They're not hospitals. They're just beds. They give them a bit of morphine and they just drown in their own lungs. It's so horrendous. Yeah. We can't have that situation. Yeah. So, Well, look, um, Tanya said something awesome the other day and she goes like you know europe europeans love their people more and australians love their money more they went to lockdown asap because their people are valuable to them because it's a cultural thing in australia unfortunately we're less and this isn't like a blanket thing that i that we think but um the government values the money more than they value the people generally you know it's it's a cultural thing you know in in europe at 10 o'clock at night everyone's hanging out and having coffee or drink or drinking you know where yeah. he was sleeping so he can get to work the next day, you know, like it's just different culture yeah. and we need to wake up and be like, let's just do it. That's my opinion. Well, um, the, but the people I know that hanging out their windows singing and stuff. Like I said, yeah. Rach, I don't think we'll, we're going to see that here. You know, unfortunately no. <laughs> the Europeans have a much more, I would say, um, cohesive, if that's the word society, like they're very, um, you know, I would say they are more, communal. Yeah. Communal. That's the word. Yeah. You know? Well, like that. So real quick, what I said about my, my client's dog yesterday or the day before actually was that dog um, is unsure of what to do. And, and I may, and I try to draw the connection to be that we're in uncertainty now and we're feeling anxiety. Your dog's feeling uncertainty and doesn't know what to do. It's kind of confused every, t- every day. It doesn't know why it's getting yelled at. It doesn't know why it's getting rewarded. It sometimes goes for a walk. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, you're sometimes letting it inside, sometimes outside. Like it's so confusing the dog actually feels anxiety that it doesn't know what's going on. Have structure, have routine, stick to it and just keep at it every single day. You're not going to, you're going to see less barking. You're going to see less ang- anxious behavior. You're going to see less destructive behavior because you're walking your dogs every day and you're giving them what they need. You're not doing the whole two or three times a week. Sometimes we do training. Sometimes we don't, um, you know, yeah. Oh, for example, the dog kept on chewing the guy's glasses and I'm like, well, you're letting your dog sleep inside your house. Of course the dog's going to, jump up at some hours of the, between the eight hours of being left alone in your house is going to jump up and chew your glass or your driver's license. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, what you need to do is manage it. And then if you can let the dogs be in the area while you're there and then tell them what you don't like straight away, rather than being angry with them for a whole day after it happens. And the dog's like, you're acting weird today. Why? The dog doesn't realize what's going on. So that's why and when and how you should use punishment. And, um, and there's, and, and it does take a certain personality to use correction and to use punishment. And I understand that. Um, but get real 
and know that if you touch fire, you burn yourself. If you hold your breath for too long, you'll pass out. And um, if you run up to mama bear and try to touch a cub, she's going to bite and eat you. So punishment is natural. You just got to be natural about it. And uh, and that's one thing I want to wrap up on is once I show someone how to use a correction on the lead and the dog stops pulling, they get so hooked to the punishment because it worked that they, it's the only thing they start to use, and that's a problem. If you're teaching a dog how to walk on a loose lead, um, mix up the techniques the dog understands and don't just go willy-nilly, just pop, 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 because that's how you desensitize a dog and the dog now doesn't respond to the punishment anymore because it doesn't become punishing. So if you, if you have food with you, try to reinforce behaviors you want, use your negative reinforcement, have the collar in the right position, do all of those things, but don't just start yanking and cranking because it worked three times yesterday. Um, that's really important. I think that's why people can be against punishment is because you go, sweet, instead of educating my child, I'll just whack him every time he does the wrong thing. It's just not, that just creates anxiousness. Yeah. Um, use it. If you're going to use it, use it correctly. Use it as a as an effective tool and don't use it as the only tool. Like you don't hammer screws in, get the drill and drill it in. Don't be banging everything. I think that's really important. I like that. That's a good note to finish on, I think. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, thanks for another li- listening to another episode of, um, of Life With Your Dog. It's been, um, been awesome. We've, we've, um, we smashed this episode out through our Zoom technology. Yeah, shout out to um, Zoom. Um, we know that uh, this works now and, and we've, you've been – We've been talking about this for a while now. Um, I want to start getting some guests on the show. And so we know that we yeah. can now do it remotely. So we probably have um, us two here in the studio. And then next time we'll have, when we have a guest, um, if they're not in Sydney or can't come to see us, we can do it remotely like this, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's actually been a good tester too. So I'm, I'm really happy with it. So yeah, as always, if you have any questions, let us know, um, review, like, rate our, our podcast on any platform you listen to us on. And um, yeah. It's Enjoy funny, right? Like just- if, we, if we'd had this lockdown even, oh man, maybe even five, maybe not five, but 10 years ago, can you imagine how much harder it would have been? Like yeah. you know, the, the internet, there was no NBN even. I mean, I only got an NBN connection at this address a year ago. So like before I got that, NBN three, three days ago. There you go, right? So before <laughs> that, Australia had pretty shitty internet and mm. just stuff like that. Like we take this, this is just so standard now that like, I've got this, you know, this computer in my pocket, this phone that's more powerful than what they used to land, you know, the first moon mission. Um, but I've, I've got, yeah, it's so true, man. We have to be grateful. There's a you quote that I just, you know? totally. There's a quote that I listen. I'm going to read it out to y'all. And then we can wrap up on this. When this is over, we may never... Again, take for granted a handshake with a stranger, full shelves at the store, conversation with neighbours, a crowded theatre, Friday night out, a taste of communion, a routine checkup, a school rush each morning, coffee with a friend, the stadium roaring, each deep breath, a boring Tuesday life itself. When this ends, maybe find that we have become more like the people we wanted to be. We were called to be, that we were called to be. We hope to be and may stay that, fuck, I'm, I'm really butchering this up. It's not really, there's no full stop, so it's tripping me out. <laughs> we wanted to be, we were called to be, we hope to be. And may we stay that we that way, better for each other because of the worst. And, and you know, like not like so true, man. we've seen the worst of this, um, it's only the beginning, but already we're starting to miss a thing like going out or, you know, shaking someone's hand. You know, I don't know what to do. I go to people's houses and I'm like, oh, 
And I'm like, foot tap. I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm just not going to touch you. I'm like, hello, how are you going? <laughs> um, but you know, like just That's little the things. the Corona so, handshake like this. The Corona handshake. Oh, yeah. um, but anyway, I just want to wrap it up on that. So thanks for listening to another episode and much love to you all. Stay happy, healthy, and strong for sure. That's it. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate, and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips, and techniques, visit nooches Thank you and stay tuned for next time.